Welcome to Golden Topics, which are personal discussions with a variety of professionals on critically important elder issues. Hi, my name is Mirit Hoffman. I'm a mother of three, a gerontologist, and an attorney specializing in elder law. My focus is helping senior citizens to stay in control when they reach significant junctions in their lives. I am a member of STEP, which is a global society of trust and estate practitioners. I lecture on estate planning and I write on various sites about the relationship between children and their elderly parents and the daily needs of the intergenerational family. These podcasts are personal discussions with a variety of professionals and are intended for anyone who is interested in being enriched with knowledgeable information regarding significant crossroads for seniors. Let's get started. I hope you enjoy it. We are talking to Rachel Gordon, who is a gerontology counselor, right? Yeah, I said gerontologist. It's called in Hebrew. Nobody ever knows what it is. So, Rachel, please introduce yourself. Okay, hi, my name is Rachel. I'm a gerontology counselor. Um, I studied gerontology in Machon Be'er in Yerushalayim. It was a two-year course. Um, and gerontology basically is the study of seniors and old people, everything um, not related to um, anything non-medical. Um, so I studied that course. And while I was um, studying, I started working for a private uh, care management company as a care manager for seniors. And it was actually through that job that I got my current job where I'm working at the moment, which is um, at Melabev day center for um, seniors with Alzheimer's and dementia, uh, which is located in Bet Shemesh. Okay. So you know what? Let's talk a little bit about dementia. Okay. Um, give us a little bit of some sort of background of what are the symptoms or warning signs we should be looking out for after, you know, explain what exactly it is. Okay. Um, so first of all, I just want to clear up um, some confusion that I found that a lot of people have regarding dementia. Um, because we talk about, I mean, even the, even um, our center is a center for dementia and Alzheimer's. What is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? Um, so I'll just um, explain it as, um, <clears throat> excuse me, dementia is, is the umbrella term for um, a range of diseases affecting memory, cognitive, um, cognitive issues and, and behavior that can affect um, activities of the daily of daily living. And so from that umbrella of that we call dementia, there are various other diseases. One of them is Alzheimer's disease. One of them is um, vascular dementia, Louis body, Louis body dementia, frontotemporal dementia. And there are some other less common ones. Um, Alzheimer's is definitely the most common, and that's the one that most people seem to have heard of. Um, Alzheimer's, if I'm correct, it, it affects about 60% of the people with dementia have Alzheimer's. Um, and Alzheimer's um, is really characterized by um, loss of memory, um, but short-term memory. Um, so, for example, a person will say the same story over and over again. They won't remember where they live. They won't remember who people are. Um, we have, you know, we have clients at the center who every single day say, 
where am I going? Where's my, they don't remember where they live. And those, those are um, behaviors that are typical, that characterize um, Alzheimer's where different strands, whereas different strands of dementia um, can really affect um, behavioral and emotional capabilities um, in a very, very different way. And, um, you know, you know, a 90 year old with Alzheimer's might still be able to, you know, remember what to use the fork, knife and fork for. They won't have an issue eating, but somebody with, for example, early onset dementia will look at a fork and have no idea what that utensil is, is used for. Um, you asked about some of the, um, by the way, um, dementia is an illness that can be diagnosed by a geriatrician or a neurologist or a psychiatrist. Um, there are certain tests that can be done. Um, and it is very difficult to, to, to come to a diagnosis of dementia. It's not like, um, you know, a broken leg or a heart condition where you go in, have the test and, um, the diagnosis is made because dementia obviously doesn't happen overnight. It's a very, very slow process. And there are some, some um, behaviors that are, that people exhibit that are, there are, that are natural with aging. So it's um, sometimes a little bit tricky to get that dementia and off, uh, to get that diagnosis. And often people will say, once a diagnosis has been made, Oh gosh, that so many things sort of sit up, fall into place, and they realise that behaviours that they have been witnessing. I'm talking about partners or caregivers. Um, suddenly become clear to them once once a diagnosis has been made. I'm assuming also at the beginning of dementia, um, the person who's 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 sick with it will try and cover himself up because he realizes maybe that he might be losing it. So he'll try and, you know, give an explanation, which for the spouse or the caregiver would make sense. Right. Look, I've read a lot of studies and I've heard a lot of stories about people who are sort of overcompensating and are able to hide their illness so well. They, they work, even though there's something in their brain that's causing the dementia, they're still able to... Uh, to mask what's going on. And that definitely makes diagnosis um, um, harder. Also, very often, a depression comes hand in hand. So the person will withdraw from life. Um, and and it's often they'll do that to protect themselves because they're starting, for example, to lose words. And so they feel incredibly uncomfortable in social situations. So they'll just use the excuse of the depression. I don't want to go out and I don't want to have people around. I don't want to go to the supermarket, the park to work um, because they know that they they can no longer cope in those situations. So, right. yeah, it's difficult. Okay. Why why is it so important to participate in a program um for seniors and their caregivers like a daycare center like in general? One Okay. Oh sorry, so just I've been on what's going on with my computer. Okay. Um why is it important? Look, a lot of people who come to the center, come to Men of Earth, um, have come from um 
I would call it a very quiet life. They're either living with their partners or they're living with foreign caregivers or maybe they're living with their children. But And, and very often they're living by themselves with those people. So just try and imagine the scenario. Two elderly people in a home together or a person who's been diagnosed with dementia with their caregiver in an apartment together. It's very, very, very quiet. There's not much going on during the day. Um, there's not many interruptions. It could be that family members are popping in, but people are popping in for short pe- you know, periods of time. Whereas a day center offers um, stimulation that will that will affect all of the senses. There's noise, there's people, there's smell, there's color, there's so much going on. So just being in that stimulating environment is so important for somebody who's experiencing and cognitive difficulties and can really um can really in some ways delay delay some of the onset of the dementia and just or or even just can can prevent sinking further into a depression because everybody needs um a reason to get up in the morning and once you don't have a reason to get up in the morning it's just really difficult to maintain you know a a good a good um feeling about what you know about your day um and and so coming to a day center gives somebody a purpose in life um our day center Malabev, is um as i've said specifically geared towards people with dementia and what that means is that we are able everybody is assessed before you don't just walk in one day to the next to a day center you know there's a there's an assessment that goes on i do the assessments and and their needs are really um assessed and met um so and give you an example for um we had um one client who who was um I would say maybe at the beginning of their dementia journey, and um, he was very unsettled. Didn't he was very very dependent on his wife and was with his wife outside of the center all the time, twenty four hours a day. So when once she left him, it was very difficult for him. Um, and then we, after conversations with the family members, we found out that he played the violin. So one day we asked him if he would like to bring his violin into the center and he did and he came the next day and um, he started playing for everybody. So it's really, um, we really try and provide individualized care for each person which makes their experience of being in the center so much more meaningful and and enjoyable for them. Um, And all the activities that we provide are just are are so um enriching for for all the clients i mean every single day we have um a chair yoga exercise which is run by a fantastic um therapist and uh, we have music every day and we have um small well we have small groups um people are divided according to cognitive level and uh, they partake in cognitive exercises and that challenge and stimulate their brains, each according to their own level. And there are several different levels within the center. Um, so just on a, on a sort of very, it's a very stimulating place to be compared to being at home without a routine. Um, there is also other things that we provide which are really important, like food, like nutritious food. We're making sure that breakfast and lunch is served. And in our afternoon program, also a dinner. Um, and 
And then just the thing that I, I like the most is that the, 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 the staff in the center are so warm and incredible and just you cannot underestimate the power of even touch. I mean, it was difficult during Corona, but now just even like helping somebody up and touching their arm and or like stroking their shoulder. Some people go through the day and no one ever touches them. Um, and I think for somebody with dementia, it's very reassuring. It sounds amazing. You told me yes uh, when we we had this discussion before. You discussed somebody about a chavruta, remember? And I thought that yeah, we're not yeah. So that's that's really. I mean, look, there are many moments for me that are incredibly rewarding, and um, we have. Um, I'm just going to change like some details slightly, just obviously to protect client client's identity. Um, but we have one client who actually has an early onset dementia and um, he's only in his 60s. And uh, we found it initially quite difficult to find out what he liked to do. Um, and one day during one of the sessions, he started quoting Purpe Avot. And we realized that he had, a, you know, he was still, a, he still retained a lot of information, like Torah information. So we reached out to the community. Melabdev is located in, in the community of Bet Shemesh and um, in the residential area. And it's very much a communal center. Uh, we have a lot of support from the community um, before Corona and now we're slowly reintroducing um, volunteers from the community. Um, anyway, we were able to reach out to the community. We found a chavrusa for him. And um, he comes in um, a couple of times a week and sits and learns with him. And and actually, one it was so moving because I once took a photo at the first time they sat together. They were they were really really learning Mishnayot, um, and I sent it to his wife, and she was just speechless because for her she was dealing with this young husband who has who has dementia. And she hadn't even thought, oh, yes, maybe he's still able to do, you know, learn, to, to learn. And she was so grateful to us that we were able to provide this to him. But again, giving him like a sense of respect and um, really keying into something that he was still able to do. And, 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 and we will hold on to that for as long as possible. That's amazing. Tell us a little bit more about Milabib. I mean, is it only for Anglos? Is it uh, the Tea Day Center? Where is it located apart from Bechemish? Give us a little bit more. And also, okay. there's something about Pe'ima. If you can also touch a little bit about that. Okay, fine. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background about Milabib. Um, um, so Milabib um, has four centers, three in Jerusalem and one in Bechemish. We're located on Rachov Asher in Gibat Sharet. Um, we are, um, um, we've been, I think the Met Shemesh Center has been open for about 17 years, which is incredible. I haven't been there for that long. Our director, Shoshana Lichman, has run Malabev and is incredibly dedicated and, in, you know, really fantastic um, boss and cares so much about the clients. Um, we're open five days a week, Sunday through Thursday. Um, people, the clients who attend, and um, the majority of them come on the van. Uh, we send, we have trans transportation, including wheelchair transportation for those in wheelchairs. Um, and the program runs from about eight thirty to one thirty. 
twice a week we have an afternoon program. I think in the center in Jerusalem, they have every day an afternoon program. Um, and we have clients who speak English, Hebrew, French. And our program is really run. It's run, it's a bilingual program. It's run in both Hebrew, Hebrew and French. Uh, sorry, Hebrew and English, not French, Hebrew and English. Um, I think there are um, Russian speaking groups in the centers in Jerusalem also. Um, and like I said, we provide music and exercise and art therapy and, and occupational therapy. We have an occupational therapist on staff. Um, and many, and the staff are all um, highly trained and able to, what I think is most amazing about our staff is that they're really able to, um, they treat everybody with respect. Every single client is treated with respect and, and, and receives um, the care and attention that they need. Um, you know, it's a real individualized, in, in, they, really, they really look to see what the needs are of each client and aim to provide, you know, the best experience possible for them. Um, you mentioned PEMA, which is a program that was started in Melabeb in Jerusalem for adults with early onset dementia, people in their fifth, as young as 50, in 50s and 60s, and that currently takes the form of a special program which runs in the Israel in the Israel Museum, um, where the group goes to the Israel Museum and meets with um, one of the men, one of the staff in the Israel Museum, and they run a whole therapeutic program there, um, which is really incredible for people with early, you know, people with early onset dementia. And um, we also have. Um, Lenebev at home services. There are some there are some people who cannot for whatever reason get out of the home. And so Melabev will send uh therapists into the home to do whatever is required for that person. So it could be occupational therapy or physical therapy or the whole whole range of cognitive therapies as well. And that's that's an in home service. Okay. okay. Yeah. What about support Yes, and support groups also. I have run in the past support groups, mainly for spouses. Um, but please, God, we hope to start, and we hope to start a new group after the Hagim for spouses. And we have also on the cards a group for, for children, children of parents who have dementia. Yeah, and, that, and that's been really great because, um, well, in Corona, we switched the group that was meeting weekly um to zoom and it just makes it um you know really convenient and for people who would otherwise feel uncomfortable to come to a support group i think the um the option of doing it online from the comfort of their ho own homes has proven to be very um successful do you find sorry do you find those people feeling like guilty do you find they feel guilty for needing a support group or for feeling whatever it is that they're feeling or even if it's hard for them do they feel guilty that they feel that it's actually difficult for them because it must be extremely difficult emotionally and physically to watch to care yeah. for your beloved and to watch him or her deteriorate in that way yeah look my um <sighs> My sort of um, the thing that I always try to focus on the most is the fact that the person with dementia, if they're living in a you know functional family um, or home situation, they will always receive the care that they need, um, and 
that care will be enhanced if they're able to attend a day centre or have help at home. Um, but, but very often it's the caregivers themselves who are forgotten and they are living under enormous, enormous stress. Um, and as you say, a lot of guilt. Um, we recently had a client who just felt so terrible leaving her husband until I pointed out to her that she she needed a break, a really, really, really needed a desperate break. Um, you know, so those five hours in the morning or whatever, five, six hours in the morning gave her a chance to unwind, go for a swim, meet with friends, go to the supermarket, even just be in the house by herself and not be worrying about her partner, about her husband the whole time. And often, it takes somebody else, somebody who's outside of the picture to make people to make people realize that they're able to do it and that they should be doing it. And I have found time and time again that caregivers, the guilt that, that they feel um is so intense that they can't they can't give themselves a break. And it needs someone like a, a gerontology counselor or a social worker or somebody you know in the field to say some no it's okay we can do what we can look after your whoever partner father mother now and you can go and do something for yourself because caregiver burnout is really um, common and it's um, a, a really serious problem um, and I have felt from running the support groups that the support that they're able to give each other also is enormous because many people tell me that um, their friends who have never experienced living with anyone with dementia or even have had, you know, haven't had any uh, first-hand experience of it, they're all kind and good and nice, but they don't really know what the person's going through. Whereas our team, we, we see it, we understand the disease. And so we're able to provide um, physical validation for their feelings and to uh, provide a support system for them. Um, I also want to say that there's been a few times where I've run um, family group, family meetings for all, for the, for the extended family. And I think if there's anybody out there who's listening who who is in this situation, I think the first, a really important step, and one that I would really strongly advise is to now have a family meeting about what is going on and bring the subject up and allow people to allow everyone in the family to say where they're feeling and where they're holding and then work out practical steps of how to um you know how you're going to deal with this as a family because the person who the the, the partner or the child they can't do it on their own you need a system um, and I, I really believe that Mela Bev provides a very, very supportive framework for all of our clients, uh, many of whom have have really um, um, used our services and 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 are, and are grateful for them because it's somebody, it's a, it's a safe place where they feel they can really be heard and understood. Okay, how do people? What's the procedure? Like, how do people sign up? When should they start thinking? Or when should one of the spouses start thinking of, oh, this may be a good idea for me, for you, for whoever? How okay. Okay. So, procedurally, um, there are three 
um, basic ways that you can attend the centre. Um, um, well, you know, I'm going to start. Somebody who's interested in coming to the centre, generally what happens is I'll get a call from a family member that's heard about us, they want to come and see us. So everybody is always invited for a free trial day to come or to be at the centre. They come with their families. They have to come with a family member. And they see how he goes, and often um, they'll say straight away, wow, this was great. Like, he's been sleeping all day for weeks, or he only wakes up usually at 11 o'clock because he sleeps, he takes cat naps all during the day. And look how, look, he didn't fall asleep the whole morning. And people have, like, they're initially amazed by how their family member reacts. And um, obviously that doesn't happen all the time. And some people may, it may take them a while to realize that this is the place that they want to be. Um, and then once the person decides that we sit and we take a full assessment and we fill in some forms and get a doctor's letter and um, just that's all a, you know part of the bureaucracy. And um, in terms of payment, um, there be two Akhla or me, um, if people have hoc siod, um, which is um, a grant from um it's based on age. So it's um, if you are 62 for a woman or 67 for a man, um, then you're eligible <laughs> for hoc siod. It's also based, it's not just based on age, it's based on income and um, and your abilities um, in your ADLs, your activities of daily living. Bishakla um, only awards you hours, and those hours can be used to pay to come to the centre, and they basically cover everything, the transport, the food, all the activities, everything. If somebody, for whatever reason, um, doesn't have the hot sealed, they can pay privately. Um, in the Bet Shemesh Centre, we have um, a scholarship fund that was set up, and... Um, Sometimes we are able to to offer that to people who really don't have any financial means um, to pay for the center. We use that sometimes. That's that's in, uh, yeah. Really yeah. at the end of our discussion, but I want to end it with with a with a positive note. So, tell me what makes your work so meaningful, and and give us you know share with us some stories that you feel were like this is why I'm doing this. <laughs> okay, so um, I yeah, no, I mean the work is hard. Like I, I would say that the work can sometimes be hard. It's um, it is um, it is sometimes, often actually, devastating to see what this disease can do. Um, but there are always moments um that you just get such a high. We have one client who um. We, we discovered quite early on that she loves the Beatles and she loves listening to the Beatles. So we, you know, whenever we can, and if it fits in with the schedule, so we play music and we always dance. And she she's usually a little bit reluctant to participate in activities, but when, when we get up to dance, she's so happy and she's so smiling. And I always wish at those moments that all her family wouldn't be there to see it because they are dealing with, so many difficult things, but she at that time and in that place is the happiest person and laughing and remembering things from, you know, a long, long time ago. And it's just really, really wonderful. Um, and other, other little things that I feel like you can never, you can't, you can't overestimate the importance of, um, 
being able to understand a person who's going through this. Um, and when you do, the, the family members that just so um, so grateful that that were there for them and that we support them, and um, it just really, really makes me realize how important the job is, how important everybody on the staff is do, is doing such an incredible job. Um, and it, it is very, very rewarding at the end of the day, even though, you know, it, it's difficult. It's a difficult area, but it's it's very, very rewarding. There are so many, so many like breakthrough moments that you just see, like as I was sitting in my office and I look over to the floor and what's going on. And, you know, all those little conversations that somebody will have with a staff member or, you know, um, doing some arts and crafts and then seeing it with being so proud um, or remembering, um, you know, if they're doing the crossword puzzle, remembering the word um, and then they're just so happy with themselves. Um, you know, lots and lots of really fantastic moments uh, where we're bringing you know, a lot of pleasure to people and, and making them feel good about themselves. Definitely. I think that's really what we're doing. I think it's an amazing thing that you are doing. Thank you for it. Um, well, this has been a very, very pleasant conversation. <laughs> to probably discuss a little. Thank you for listening to another episode of Golden Topics. I hope you enjoyed it and that it provided you with important information. Do not forget to click and subscribe to Golden Topics so that you can stay updated on my upcoming podcasts. And of course, please share and invite family and friends to listen so that they can also benefit from the information discussed here. You are also welcome to visit my website, www.lawmereet.com and to follow me on Facebook for more information regarding intergenerational estate planning and the various needs of the elderly population. I'm already waiting for you with my coffee in the next episode.